0: Hello, welcome to Tectonic. It's me, Roger. Mark is uh, away for the next two weeks. I'm here this week. Station manager Ken is here next week. Um, if you don't know me, I do the Saturday morning show Double Dip Recess, freeform radio for kids like you. And there's not a whole lot of parallel between Mark's show and my show, but there's a little bit, but I thought I would draw on a different part of my life for my guest host of Tectonic. Uh, I, you might, Some people might know that I'm a college professor. I teach art at Pace, Pace University, and I thought I would interview my students about their use of social media and how it affects them. Uh, my students are what you call Generation Z. Um, Most Generation Z are children of Generation X, and they're the first generation to have grown up with the internet and portable technology. Um, They're considered digital natives, but they're really also the last generation that remembers pre-digital. They might do this again in five years. Uh, So anyways, I've interviewed six students. Each interview is about roughly nine, ten minutes long. And I'll come on again at the end. Take it away, Cisco. Well,
1: my name is Cisco, and I'm 22 years old. When I think about social media overall, I think about, like, the specific social medias that I've experienced as far as, like, Facebook, Instagram. I think I even had a Tumblr at one point. Twitter and Snapchat. I would say that we were kind of like pushed into it. I remember not wanting to make a Facebook and my grandma saying that once you're in college, people are going to want to have your Facebook to get to know you and, you know, make connections and stuff like that. So she really prepared me for the kind of stuff that was going to go on. In college, I feel like when it comes to just making connections as far as social media, even though we don't use Facebook now, we mainly use Instagram and Twitter, I feel. I think it's something that's been a love-hate relationship overall. I was only excited to use Facebook as a kid because there was this app on there. It was like a game called Farmville. And... All you had to do was, like, run a farm, (laughs) basically. To me, that was the fun part because there was a game part to it. But then over time, I was introduced to Instagram. And my grandma, she didn't really want me to use Instagram at first. I think I was, like, 14 or 15 when I first, like, opened up my account. Posting a selfie was kind of like a surreal experience because it felt like... I was being aware of myself in another sense. It kind of opened up my eyes to just, it felt like self-promotion, even though I couldn't put a word to it when I was younger. I think that's the main thing that I think is affecting this generation that maybe we're not also aware of is that it has become less of a sharing tool and more of a promotion tool. You know, you used to be able to upload something and you would call it like, oh, I'm sharing a photo with my friends. But when I think of the word sharing, I think of it as you're dividing a whole amongst others. And I don't think it can really be called sharing. It's under a guise of us, you know, being connected. But there really isn't anything special to this whole self-promotion thing. I think that social media has refocused our generation. I don't really see it stopping, honestly. I don't think it's something that should be a big focus. It's a new aspect in our generation that we kind of just have to stick with and individually learn how to control it because a lot of people are just scrolling. I've caught myself staying in bed, just scrolling for hours and hours and hours. And I'm like, how is it already six o'clock? I just started scrolling like two minutes ago. My use for social media has changed. I was talking about how I was using Facebook like as my first social media as a kid. It was mainly about just messaging with my friends. Um, Then I got Instagram. And that's when I started feeling obligated to post in a way. Lately, it's been a tool for consumption, but in a good way. You know, I use it for following fitness accounts and nutrition accounts. So I find that really interesting too, because there's some stuff that I learn on there just because I want to. In a way, yes, they do control like what we see. But there is so much to see out there. There is so much to learn, so much things people are posting that it's hard to organize it. And the algorithm organizes it for you based off of what you like, based off of what you interact with. You're able to control your own feed in that sense if you're mindfully opening stuff that you want to see. Snapchat that used to be more of a tool of connection because you just send a picture to your friends, but you could also chat with people on there too, just like regular text message. And that helps because not everybody has access to like getting phone service. So that that was helpful in that time when I didn't have phone service. Twitter, um, I use that more as like a self-promotion tool. When I was like... 20 i opened up this uh explicit twitter basically and i was able to i felt i felt like i was doing something liberating it was weird like i was posting like like hot pictures of me where i felt like i was looking good i think i got up to like two thousand followers but i noticed something in myself changing like I noticed, like, my time on there, like, just shot up. Like, I was on the app for hours just trying to do anything I can, following people, liking stuff to, you know, get my promotion up. And that's what it wants you to do. That's what it wants you to focus on. You can use it as a tool of self-growth, but you kind of have to watch out At the same time and you got to really practice being mindful as you're posting sharing even talking between your friends i find myself not being able to control my mindfulness sometimes but i go through periods of time where i i come to like a realization and i put a stop to it you know like i deleted my facebook account I deleted my Snapchat account, I deleted that Twitter, and and so as far as like exerting that control or feeling satisfied with how much I use social media, now I'm at a spot where I can say, yeah, I'm satisfied because I only have Instagram now, and I'm not really focused on, you know, sharing what people are going to like, or necessarily getting followers or likes or anything like that i think i used to be i didn't really like it and i wasn't satisfied with that because i found myself wanting more and more and more and being dissatisfied with what i was already getting and in reality i had a realization i had like an epiphany what is actually changing around me based off of these imaginary numbers based off of all this stuff that's going on in the digital world that I get this illusion of control that based off of what I post, based off what I do on there, I can get more numbers. I can get more followers, more likes, etc. One form of social media that's often not talked about now is dating apps. Um, like Tinder, uh, Bumble, Hinge, stuff like that. Put your picture up. You put your age, you put you know, what you're interested in, what you're looking for and stuff like that. That's a tool of self-promotion. And I see people on there too that are not even using it for dating. So it definitely recognized amongst our generation that it is a tool of self-promotion. I, I definitely see the potential for change amongst us, and how we use it, but I don't see a change in necessarily its existence. I see it amongst my friends and my family. My grandma had a Facebook before I did. Yeah, she was the first one to delete that account too. She saw its potential to cause damage in between real life relationships and she felt like it did in in her experience between her family and her friends because we're, we're a type of family to disappear from each other as far as like distant relatives and cousins and aunts and uncles and stuff like that. But when we come back together, it's as if, you know, no time has passed. Facebook gave this like constant like uh idea that we needed to be updated on what's going on in their lives. And it would cause a bunch of gossip between the family that was unnecessary, I felt. And she felt that way too. So She deleted Facebook when she noticed that stuff started happening and then started getting in between her real life relationships.
2: My name is Kayla and I am 23 years old. My childhood, I didn't have phones. I didn't have, we had like technology in an aspect, but I was playing outside when I was younger. We didn't have iPads and stuff like that. Like, I, I, I didn't get a phone until I was in the eighth grade and it was a flip phone. I was the last one to get a phone in my grade. Eighth grade sounds young now when I think about it, but now I have like a seven-year-old nephew. People in his second grade class have phones. It's just so much more normal to have that and kids are just growing up in a way faster because they have all this content of like these older people on their social media, like on their Instagram, on their TikTok and and stuff like that. So yeah. I had an iPod just to listen to music. the The circle that I was running in, like all the parents were like thinking about things relatively the same as people started to get iPhones, like, and I still had a flip phone, like people were like, why do you still have that? What is that? And I'm like, bro, we're 13. We're not even 13 yet. (laughs) Like, what are we doing? Like, I see you every day at school and I see you on the weekends. Like, it's not like you're across the country and I need some way to contact you. It's fine, whatever. But I ended up getting, I think, an iPhone when I was in high school. I use Instagram and TikTok the most. Um, I don't like use Instagram in the way of posting on Instagram. I use it in the way of just to keep up with friends that I had, even specifically now from college. Now we've all moved to different parts of the country. So I think I more keep in contact with people in that way on Instagram. And TikTok is more of a creative thing for me. Also just like a funny thing. Like it does boost your mood in some ways, when you're able to kind of laugh at these silly things when you're struggling with stuff like personal stuff in your own life I would say YouTube is a social media in its own way I think it's definitely a very different social media but I think like when I was growing up like in middle and high school YouTube was like a big thing for me to feel like I was a part of a community because when I was growing up in that time like I was kind of going through like figuring out my sexuality and all of that and my town is a very small town and there is not a lot of representation so I felt like I was able to feel like I was represented in the world and it made me not feel as alone even though like maybe physically I was alone but it gave me hope in a way that like I could at one point in time like kind of be true to myself in a way. So that, that, that's like a very nice part of social media. And I think that's like the biggest positive thing that I've, I've seen about it. It definitely does increase your depression levels and anxiety levels, just because you never know, like you never think you're good enough or their grass is always greener on the other side situation whatever you're doing is not as cool because somebody else is doing something else that's cooler or somebody else is doing something else that you want to do, but like, maybe you can't just do right now. You do need to have this social media presence. And that's, that's definitely like hard for me to do. So just kind of going in that cycle of not knowing whether I should be putting more things out there or less things out there and being picky or just putting out content. Um, I think it's a lot of things. It's something that I've noticed people struggle with a lot. Like, I think it's going to take a while for us to like actually adapt to this. I think we just don't have the control over how to take all of this in. We're very much coming at it from a very consumerism capitalism viewpoint. So I think the the only thing that I can like, think of that would be able to bring us in the direction of being a more positive thing than a more negative thing is we have to step back and be kind of really critical about what we're actually doing. I honestly would probably be so much better off if they just took TikTok away because you get stuck in this loop because it is it's an endless scroll it content will never go away you'll see these things like you can stay on it for 24 hours straight and see a different video every time like you scroll you just get into this like cycle of doom scrolling and you don't even realize like and I and I do it now I'll be on it for two hours and I would think it's only 15 minutes all of a sudden I look outside and it's like dark out. Your emotions go up and down with every single video. Like your emotions are not regulated within the however many like minutes or hours you're spending specifically, I'd say on TikTok in that way, because they kind of created this endless scroll type of situation. And now every single app is going towards like the TikTok uh setup where like Snapchat now you can like scroll and like Instagram you have reels and it's the it's the same thing just on different apps so they created this whole new type of social media within the last like three years I think humans are I think we're just like inherently narcissistic in our own ways of being like what I do matters that's the only way like that people can kind of fathom going through life is like what I'm doing it matters it will matter in the like in the end like The things I do have consequences and can change things. We just, we care so much about ourselves and everything that we're putting out there that like the companies are fully grabbing onto that and taking it by the reins and created this whole thing for us because it kind of fills this need to be like, what I'm doing is great. And everybody's going to love what I'm going to put out there. And then when we don't get that same reaction, if I like think about like big influencers or just like celebrities who like put these things out and half your half the comments are like negative things because people just want to put their own opinions out there. It doesn't even matter what they are. Like they just want to be heard. In one way, it feels like you have so much more of a big impact because you're like able to share something with everybody in the whole world. but then when you don't get that and it's kind of just like you get like two or three likes and then you're like oh like I'm really not making this impact which is then being like oh well like maybe I'm not as good maybe I don't have the ability to make change and then that kind of just like goes back into this idea of like the mental health and like depression and and stuff because I don't think we I think there's more of the struggle with that than there was in the past But I think it's just because we're talking about it, it seems like there is like a hundred times more people struggle with it more than they used to. We just didn't talk about it. And I think we're doing a lot better at being able to be open and like transparent about these things to know that like people, you have this community again, you're not the only one struggling, everybody's struggling. And it's, I think that's a really good aspect of social media that's like, you're not alone in these things, but also to a kid's mind, like they're taking in everything without having a lot of life experience. So they're seeing people talk about depression, talk about anxiety, but in some way, I think it's made it like this, like almost not like cool thing to be like struggling mentally, but like Because so many people are talking about it, that is an aspect of like, oh, I can fit in in this way because I'm sad or because, like, I have social anxiety. We also, like, everybody has social anxiety now because we are just kind of stuck in our little bubbles of, like, scrolling on social media. So it's just like, it's this really blurry line between things that are, like, really great and, like, you have, like, this community, but... Then you're also kind of just like stuck in like this one way of thinking that you like you, say, you can't get out of it. Like you can't get out of the out of the cycle of kind of just being like, well, I'm depressed. This is what it's going to be. We've kind of gone so big into talking about mental health and social media and like directly correlating it with each other that we've kind of now gotten stuck in this way of you can't get out of it. Like, yeah. if you're anxious, you're going to be anxious for the rest of your life situation. I'm very curious as to where we go from here and if we will have these like regulations, if they will do something, or if the people who run everything and like have that capitalist outlook on everything, if that will just make it worse and not use it for its original intention of keeping in contact and being able to put your things out there. And now it's just like a comparison thing because we're not living. We're not living our own lives. We're living the lives of other people that we are following.
3: I'm Adam. I'm 25. I have made the conscious decision over the past couple of years while finishing undergrad to not have social media. My first phone I ever got was the 6th and 7th grade age, and it was whatever the standard kind of flip phone was. It was really for the purpose of, like, communicating with my parents and then eventually, like, texting your friends. My mom and my grandma had a strict, like, no social media policy for me. I wasn't allowed to have Instagram, Facebook, Twitter... Once I reached mid high school, I was allowed to have an Instagram account and I used it, but I'd always delete it. And then um, coming into undergrad, um, I had a social media account um, because I was pressured in to getting one (laughs) and I had it for three years and then I deleted it. And I I deleted it because of how it made me feel. You know, the idea of, I mean, social media or not social media, you know, comparing yourself to others and seeing that and it being a really discouraging environment. There's that idea. I feel like I'm very much the black sheep amongst my generation because I have lived without it. And there are others who are part of my generation who have lived without it. I I don't think that that's what, we need to focus on. I just think we need to focus on the certain behaviors that may be promoted through having something such as social media. And I can give an example. So I work at the dark room at Pace University. And for those who don't know, a, a dark room is a the, the processing and the printing area for analog photography. So you are processing film chemically, and you're printing chemically in a space that very um, limited to light for the printing. And it's an environment that it takes a lot of time to get, you know, the results of producing a photograph. It's an environment that slows you down. And it's an environment that because it slows you down, it could be a relief or it could be very overwhelming. When I first did photo with you um, in my freshman year, I was horrible at it at first. (laughs) I was so bad. I was so bad. I knew I was bad, but I loved the feeling of it. Like I loved going in and working in the dark room. And then eventually, like I honed in on something and it forces me to slow down. That was a beautiful time. And I look back at those images like, oh, I see where now I am where I am. It's it's a beautiful thing. I feel, like I, live in a world. I feel like I live in a world, just like everybody else, no matter what generation, where we have to be quick and on our feet and perform and do all these things. And that's very daunting. Like, it really, it took me time to learn. It takes me time to learn. I love learning about lots of different things, but I don't do well in you know having to rush, really just rush in anything. I like to take my time and slow down, and that's how I get it. And that's honestly where now I think I've succeeded in in college, where I didn't succeed in in high school. Um, but with going back to the dark room, I'm noticing that a lot when I work there is no middle ground. It's either kids are finding solace in this place and such comfort because they can finally just like unplug and slow down and not think about all these things that are in the, the age of the digital, not just school. Or it's like kids are manic and frustrated and cannot do it and cannot take the time out. I mean, you can't have a phone in a dark room because, you know, everything is light sensitive. So they'll quickly make a print and then immediately run out to the common area in the lab to be on their phone. They cannot not be on their phone and they get frantic and they get very anxious and nervous and frustrated. I believe it is because the environment is not what they're used to. and. It's unfamiliar. It's not promoting that certain um, message that they're used to. And so they don't know how to compute it. They, they, They clam up. Kids are struggling because things take time and learning takes time. It's a process. And I think we're so conditioned with social media to just have that like instant gratification. Social media tells us to hook on to something that we're good at and kind of sell that and then something will latch on with that and eventually it will die out right and then you'll find another thing that's quick and you're good at and you'll sell it again. It's all a matter of speed and kind of speed and visibility, the dark room, as you know, doesn't do that at all it's a completely different process that is not going to give you you know instant gratification. I will say as technology advances, I think there's this idea of you have to move fast because it keeps moving and you need to catch up and you like, you have no time, pardon my French, to f*** up, right? Or to focus on the the things that you may be f***ing up in and you could really do something with. I don't engage and I do my best to not engage in social media and a lot of technology that's actually not a good thing for me in my future because no matter if i'm continuing to go into the arts field or if i decide to pivot um a lot of prospective jobs they want me to have something you know and i i struggle with that just having a website isn't enough anymore and i need to completely isolate from it to feel just feel like I'm functioning and and well, and there's a lot of cons to that being smack on that other end. Whereas uh, there's certain people who can't live without it and have to have it all and have to be on it and it being really integral to their life. We push stuff to limits. And I don't think we find that middle ground, that mid that mid range where we can have this and we can pull from both ends to create an environment that is, you know, healthy and and beneficial for all. I create and I put my all into the art that I create. It's I make art for myself. It's deeply personal. It takes a lot out of me. It's cathartic. I love it. It means a lot to me. But that doesn't matter on social media. Instagram, a Twitter, a Facebook, it's all about what it looks like. And people are creating content for algorithms. And for exposure because of however the hell that works
4: my name is jiwan i am 23 okay so as far as smartphones concerned i think i got my first smartphone in either fifth or sixth grade and I was really thrilled, and at that time, I only used it to use, you know, like, browse the internet. Um. Uh, by the way, I'm from Korea, and we have this Korean version of Google-like thing, which is Neighbor. So I just used it to browse, like, Neighbor and, like, watch stuff on the internet and stuff. I didn't really do any social media at that time, but I started posting on... Instagram and TikTok when I actually after I started college and very recently I had my first video gone viral and now it has like more than 800,000 views on TikTok. It was a video calling out it was like a dark comedy so it was like a satire And I basically called out this fertility map that the Korean government has published um, as a response to the low birth rate that's going on in Korea. You know, I'm a singer and I was hoping that one of my singing videos or like my music videos would go viral, but instead my satire video went viral. So there was some, like, that was something. But you know, I was still very thankful that something went viral because. That like gained me, I think, um, I don't know, like a lot of new followers. And I was thinking that, well, maybe now there would be more like there would be more attention, slash, like a bigger audience for my music as well. A downside of working with social media as a musician is that a lot of times, in order to build a community, and build an audience and to engage with them, you have to share some stories, some narratives, and sometimes your personal details. And as somebody who can be very private, for me personally, that is a hard part. You just have to give something more than just music to your audience and just putting your personal life and like personal you know private details out online can be a difficult decision and it can be uncomfortable sometimes you know that's the dilemma right i tried facebook and twitter they weren't really my thing so when it comes to tiktok i feel like i tend to keep it pretty Um, public and, you know, just use my musician persona. Like if I ever post anything personal or private, like it'll most likely be on Instagram story instead of a post or a TikTok video or something the likes of that. You know, you can learn a lot of things on TikTok actually. A lot of doctors or therapists, or a lot of um professionals also run TikTok pages nowadays, and they their contents a lot of times are very informational, and you can learn a lot about you know um things such as reproductive health and women's health or mental health related information. But then depending on what kind of content you consume, it also can be pretty detrimental, I think, because. Well, first of all, it's pretty addictive, so you can get insomniac, I feel like, which has been a personal experience as of late. And I think it's also, like as informational as social media can be, it can also spread hate and misinformation just as quickly. And a lot of times, you know, these, sensitive sensational information can um spread very quickly and so i think depending on what kind like what side of social media you're on you can get as much benefits as you can or get as much you know bad influence as you can so i think it really is a double-edged sword Yes, I do spend way too much time on social media. And I really want to stop because I have not been sleeping at a respectable hour at all. And I know I should be sleeping, but I'm like, eh, you know, I'll just scroll TikTok for just a couple more minutes. And the couple of minutes turn into a couple of hours. And I'm all tired in the morning. And I'm like tired even to go to bed. Um, I feel like self-regulating apps would be really helpful. For example, like when I'm just laying on my bed, scrolling TikTok until like 2 a.m. in the morning, I just think to myself, man, I really wish somebody just shut down my phone like right now. (laughs) Algorithm can be a useful tool for companies and for business. but. For just people and spreading ideologies and like the spreading of information, like it just confines the users into a bubble, right? This informational bubble. So you would get one type of information that your algorithm, you know, finds that suits you, and then you would just not get any information that is like outside of that. And that can be very like that can just result in a user having very narrow, like one-sided perspective, especially I think it's dangerous for children when they are much more impressionable. I oh, know. No, actually the other day I was talking to my mom and then she warned me about the informational leaks from TikTok, which has been a which has been a fairly big issue, I think. I do get that and like I really would not like my information to be leaked or anything like that but at the same time TikTok is just so widespread that you just like you just cannot not use it you know yeah so I think honestly if TikTok just stops doing that I don't know if they um have more regulations about that right now or not but you know like If TikTok were not to leak, I don't know, personal information, then, then, you know, that would be great. But I don't know what would be a secure alternative as of right now.
5: My name is Hassan. I am uh, 24. I just turned 24 in February. I remember there was kids bringing their BlackBerry to the bus stop in, like, elementary but it wasn't like a common thing to where everybody had a phone. And I definitely, like I got my first phone when I was a freshman in high school. Um, It was like solely a communications phone, like Nokia vibes. And that was long after like the iPhone and everything had come out. So I remember getting onto Facebook and logging into that whole world. For me, like a lot of the way that I see this technology at this point in time like is that history moves so much quicker with social media as part of it there are pros and cons to social media like a lot of the information that i do get that allows me to think about things that i wouldn't have thought about and research things comes from social media it comes from a social media blurb and that like sends me down a rabbit hole but then on the other end of the spectrum I've dealt with, like, a lot of different, like, little setbacks throughout my college career, like, dabbled in addiction and those sorts of things. Like, the phone, for me, is really, like, an addictive space, and you can get sucked into all of these different sort of social media platforms. It's hard for me to blame, like, the individuals who've created these social media platforms because of the positive aspects of it. Like, when you think of a social media conglomerate like Facebook, everybody down the line gets to sleep at night because it's always like they're twice removed from the issue. They're twice removed from the analytics that make it a personal experience for you that is dangerous. And when I think about like all the kind of issues and the helplessness that I feel in my experience in this generation, it comes from this environmental conversation And social media kind of directly ties into that. If you look at like screen time and trying to compete with all these different sorts of um, brands and ideas that are presented on Facebook and on Instagram and on Snapchat and on Twitter. um, And then you track that back to the cobalt mines in the Congo and how that plays a large part in our technological advances So, like, there is, like, this, like, um, bleak undertone to just, like, this individual conversation of screen time and social media interactions that kind of seems to outweigh the positive. But I found out about those minds on Instagram. (laughs) So there is this inherent value to the sorts of information that you can access just being able to have these, like kind of global dialogues cobalt is used in like a ton of different things like lithium batteries all that sort of stuff um and the cobalt mines are like normally around the equator the largest exporter of cobalt is the congo basically there's a lot of child labor that's involved with it it's like you know your generic whole um supply chain stick Like to whereas we as Americans have all these different like things that are powered by the lithium battery and the fact that cobalt is such a large component of that, we don't really think about it as a resource. Kind of the same sort of situation with petroleum or those other natural resources that inherently when burned or when disposed of are bad for the environment, but Cobalt is kind of like another sort of stick with that, that is more heavily entwined with our technological advancements as they go forward. Like it's another energy source that we're harvesting from a nation like that. That's a whole nother conversation that goes into not just like the supply chain, but also like a conversation with about capitalism and about industrialization in the Congo, seeing those sorts of conditions. Going on currently with like the human rights violations and like child labor and all those sorts of things um, that are powering this technological revolution that is based on this addiction to all these different social media platforms that we're like kind of indulging in as young Americans. For me, where the hope and where the faith comes in, there is a way that we can kind of, you know, cut back put a pause on so much advancement and kind of work with where we're at, kind of try to create that at least economic sustainability for right now. But that's also like the capitalist mindset that like we're kind of all stuck in. I haven't yet figured out what a perfect solution is. It's kind of hard to think about, well, how do we solve like the economic issues? How do we solve the environmental issues? How do we solve the identity issues, they're all equally responsible. And I think that like, just having the space to be like, there's some things we can change and there's some things we can't. And like right now, I just hope to see like a cut back on screen time, like a pause on trying to advance so quickly. For me, I think it is kind of this this conversation that happens on that personal level. I think that it is this kind of like, you know, you see a lot more people gravitating towards therapy, you see all these people, you know, kind of making these sorts of changes for the betterment of themselves as individuals. And you see like this overall conversation around this, like topic of healing in quotation marks is like this very general theme. I just think that it's important to add that into the dialogue as something that's hopeful, you know what I mean? Like when we, when fitness and diet first joins the conversation, it's like, oh, that's kind of, you know, that kind of (laughs) sucks. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be thinking about fiber right now. But those things are important, you know, They and they prove to be important on multiple different levels as we move forward. And it's kind of just something that means we have to take time. But like, I think that it still is a valuable tool in the sense that at some point we do want that just working to get there is, is like this whole other journey of faith and hope. Regulation is always scary to me. When we think about how much, how many lives that road regulations saved. But then when you think about traffic from the other end of the spectrum, and like how the routine traffic stop is abused. And then we have these other conversations that come out of that. From an overall population standpoint, it is like, yeah, regulation is good. But then when it comes down to like the real, like these real conversations that happen within communities, it becomes a whole nother narrative of the fear that comes with that. There is something valuable to allowing children to have at least the opportunity not to get so far into the issues that come with social media at a very young age. It is like cigarettes and alcohol at that you know where there's like the moderation becomes like something that you develop later in life i'm pretty heavy on the instagram i'm mostly consuming at this point a lot of the content that i create is kind of just like like i'll put it up sometimes but like it'll either be put up and then i'll archive it and then repost it later it helps me one post the stuff that I want to post, but to not get so distracted by like that instant gratification. Like that's kind of the method that I use just to like monitor that. When there's this push for adults doing the work that, you know, we hope our children do. It's like making that process like start, you know, going to therapy, eating better, working out you know, just having more fun in the scope of being away from our phones, being present in the moments that, you know, we should be cherishing. I mean, the nightmare future really is the environmental crisis. We keep damaging each other's identities. More hatred is birthed and we just destroy our planet. (laughs) And uh, we build more resentments towards other nations and the toxicity continues to flourish. The way that it's marketed is that better technology equals a better environment and that's not always the case really the doomsday scenario is the fact that we keep um buying into the idea that these technological advancements and scrolling is a way to be sustainable you're not doing anything if you're scrolling when we're burning these lithium batteries and we're using so much cobalt and we're plugging our phone in that's connected to an electricity source that we don't have to see or smell but it's still not sustainable that's where we really have to kind of take a look into this like you know experience overall and be like all right how can we be more sustainable how can i be more sustainable and then that's when we do that work where we're cutting down on screen time and we're making it more essential to be back in life
6: Hello, my name is Mengue Wapamewa and I am 22 years old. So I have a really kind of complicated history slash relationship with social media. It first started in middle school. I started off with Instagram and it was really low stakes compared to how Instagram is used now. Um, People just post like silly pictures, pictures of like their outfit of the day or like like funny selfies with friends like it was like super chill and like you really saw people's personalities and like what was important to them which I loved back then and of course we were younger so it was like pretty immature the kind of stuff that we would post but it was fun and then I went to high school and this was when Facebook was a whole thing like we used to spend like hours on facebook and some days we'd have like 10 12 posts and it was just us interacting with each other and like doing tbhs which is like a to be honest or like a rate my this or rate my that it was just a whole bunch of silly stuff and a whole bunch of like communicating online um and putting our entire social life like online which is just so fascinating to look back and study kind of yeah and then college happens and Facebook kind of died during the end of my high school career, and then, like, Instagram became the thing again. Instagram and Snapchat, but Snapchat's kind of dead now. So, yeah, I got to college, and, like, Instagram was... Before I blew up, Um, my Instagram account, I was known for my dancing, because I'm a dancer, and I used to just post dance videos of me, like, learning choreography from, like, choreographers that I really like. And then, in 2020, when the Black Lives Matter movement resurfaced, then I use my Instagram account when the movement resurfaced to just like spread information about how to take action and ways to get involved beyond just posting like a black square on social media, reposting posts, like how to take action in person and like steps that you can go beyond just like resharing things. Um, And I would also like take the time to do research and create these infographics on topics like anti-blackness and colorism, um, the history of the watermelon stereotype, um, microaggressions, just stuff that i felt like was important for people to start like learning about um that way they can have conversations in person about these things and start to like take action towards you know making progress and change People just started sharing it and all of a sudden my account went from like 2,500 followers to like 90,000. Um, and it all happened like super duper fast out of nowhere. Um, and I was grateful for that platform at that time because I had the opportunity to reach people um, who were sharing this information that was super important. And these resources that could actually help start making change. Like I was really proud of myself for that and, and also grateful that the algorithm had had done its thing to make this possible but with all the positivity um of course there were a couple of cons to having such a big platform the one that affected me the most was when I had this big following, then I would walk up to a person, we'd introduce ourselves to each other, we'd chat for a little bit, and oh my gosh, we want to stay in, in contact, let's exchange Instagrams, um, and so they hand me their phone to put in my Instagram, and when they see the amount of followers that I have, it's like, oh my gosh, you're so famous, and then all of a sudden it's like, let's be best friends, let's hang out all the time, you have people like Ariana Grande following you, and, and all these huge names, and I'm like, oh my gosh, and like, it just felt like there was a lot of superficiality in like the friendships and relationships that I had prior to that, like everybody. All of a sudden i was like everybody's best friend and like um i just became known as mengway the famous social media person like my whole identity became the fact that i had such a large following on instagram you know so that was something that kind of hurt me a bit because i really loved the fact that my instagram used to just just be me dancing um and it felt like a really safe space um which brings me to my next point Um, I was posting a lot of political stuff, and I'm not saying this is a green light for people to be racist, but of course people who didn't agree, um, some people took it way past the point of disagreements, just being plain out racist, calling me the N-word and saying all these mean things in my DMs. At one point, I just had to stop reading my DMs, Um, and in the comment section especially, oh my gosh, I posted a post about why... People who aren't black should not say the N-word, which I don't know why that was a topic that's up for debate. But apparently it sparked a lot of conversations that some were really, really spicy in the comments. My friends saw how much this negativity and uh, this racism was affecting me, like my mental health. And they were like, why don't you just block like all your messages and like turn off all your comments? I think as a person that it is super important for everyone to not be 100 percent in agreement on things. I think that it is important for people to have different opinions and for people to have discussions about things and then when when people are having these arguments you don't I don't think it's necessary for people to leave coming to an agreement or like but I think that arguments should be had in order for people to leave learning something both parties to leave learning something about the other it would be cool if they come to an agreement on something but I just I just think that like if everyone's 100% in agreement on things all the time then no one's learning no one's evolving no one's you know um And people have all these different opinions, but like they're just so afraid to share them because of cancel culture. This is such a problematic thing that has developed in this generation, especially everyone is so quick to cancel somebody for a mistake that they made or like something that they said like 10 years ago. And first of all, people are human. People need to have space to like make mistakes and like learn and grow and arguments are necessary or like discussions are necessary. That way people can like learn other opinions, you know? I still think an issue with mostly just this generation, but a lot of other generations, too, is that when people are going back and forth about something, most of the time they're not really listening to the other person. Yeah, sure, they're hearing them and hearing what they're saying, but either they're hearing it to find points in it to give a rebuttal to or they're just they're not really listening, you know. And I feel like we need to have conversations which we are actually listening to each other's perspective. And even though we may not necessarily agree with it, we still need to listen to it and hear it just to like have a different perspective in mind, you know. Right now, I don't have any social media at all. I deleted it permanently. Um, and it took me kind of a long time to get to this point because when I when that whole 90,000 followers thing happened and, and you know, my Instagram was super on and popping, I just found myself just... Most of my time was consumed by social media, whether that was responding to messages or, like, comments or, like, creating the infographics. I mean, these things take, like nine plus hours to do all the research for to like do like the layout and creating them and i just found myself devoting way too much time to instagram specifically and then also once i got tiktok too that was just i was like most of my day was consumed by tiktok and instagram you know my instagram account didn't even feel like my own account anymore like if i wanted to post a picture of myself i would often spend like days going back and forth about whether i should or i shouldn't because i'm like this is not the content that people want to see you know like they don't want to see a picture of me they want information on anti-blackness or colorism or something like that um so i just it just didn't feel like my own personal account anymore um and so I planned, I took social media breaks. Like sometimes I'd be off for like one day and then I'd be off for like five days. And then it kind of extended to like a week to two weeks. And then at one point I took a three month break. Um, and during these three month breaks, it was so great for my mental health. It gave me so much more time on my hands. My relationships that I focused on in my personal life just became so much more fruitful and strong. Um, and so during this time I was like, you know, I'm just gonna delete social media permanently because obviously like I'm, my mental health is so much better without it. I have so much more time without it. So why am I keeping it? then I thought about my career so I'm an artist um, an actor dancer specifically and it's so important to have things like social media like um Instagram specifically for like your portfolio and also networking with other artists um but also it sucks to say but like having a social media presence is, is a is a it's a fa- it works in your favor in this industry um and the fact that I had such a large following was something that I was like oh my gosh like this this could kind of help me but then I thought about the fact that like If I go into an audition room and it's down to me and one other person, I don't want the fact that I get the role to be because I have 90,000 followers on Instagram. You know, I want it to be because I'm genuinely talented and worked hard and deserve the role. So that was kind of like my final straw for deleting it because that's what make me kept, made me keep it so long was the fear that it was going to affect my chances of getting roles and stuff like that. But then I think about my favorite actors who don't really have social media and they're still killing it. They're still booked and busy. They're thriving and they still have a community. Um, that's another reason why I was like worried to delete. I was like, I'm going to lose all my connections with people. I'm not going to really have any friends. I'm not going to know what anyone's doing. But like, not having it during that three-month break, I just found the relationships that I was focusing on to be a lot more fruitful and strong and just like... Great because I was I was in present with them. I was focused with them, you know Um, Honestly, I I highly recommend taking a really long social media break You don't have to delete it permanently if I am to ever come back and I am to use social media again I would want to start over I would want to be a much more intentional about who I follow and I wouldn't want the same following that I had before because Those 90,000 people were following me for a specific reason and that's not what my account is would be for anymore so yeah There are two ways that the future of social media could go. Either one, um, people are going to realize how time-consuming it is and how much it's affecting our social skills and our ability to stay connected with people in person, and then we're all going to take a step back from it. Or social media or technology in general is just going to continue to just seep into every aspect of our lives and and just be present everywhere, which is terrifying and which I hope does not happen.
0: Hmm. It's supposed to be music playing now. Is it playing? Se- seems not. Oh, well. Um, <laughs> this, is, this is Roger. I'm sitting in for Mark Hurst. That was Cisco, Kayla, Adam, Juwan, Hassan, and Mengwei, uh all uh, either current Pace University students or recent graduates, uh, talking about how social media has affected their lives and how they use it. I'm going to see if I have a track from Juwan that I'm going to play out but let me see if I can get it playing all right station manager Ken is here next week I'll see you guys Saturday morning you're listening to WFMU East Orange WMFU Mount Hope in New York City and Rockland County
4: 91.9 FM online at WFMU.org I'll miss you that its cringe know How I don't believe in all and don't ask me what I don't stay the night That shit's not me, you need to calm down babe and listen to what you're saying Girl, oh, I'll miss you.
7: That's the way we do it. Good evening. Welcome to another episode of It's Complicated. I'm your host, Dave Mandel. I'm here every Monday between the hours of 7 and 8. We began as usual tonight with Yes, 5% for nothing. And to start tonight, I'm going to play something from. uh, Where are my notes? I'm going to play something from a French group. Uh, called Ange A-N-G-E Which means angel And we're going to hear a track From uh, 1974 I guess I'll talk more about them When, when we come back But I'm just going to dive right in This is something from the group Ange C'était en
8: 2015 Noël approchait Et comme en 1515 les enfants attendaient Le problème était là, bien fier devant nos portes Nous étions blémés là, devant le grand que le porte N'y avait plus de sucre, la terre n'en donnait plus L'avait creusé sépulcre et ne répondait plus Saccharine vendait ses prières. Oui, mais alors, plus rien ne sert de racler la pierre. C'était en 2015, et Noël accrochait. Et comment en 1515, les enfants attendaient. Et les heures qui filaient, aussi promptes que l'oiseau. Et les chiens qui crevaient à renifler de l'eau, il n'y avait plus de sel, la terre n'en donnait plus pour faire du sucre en prix du sel, 2014 je ne sais plus. joie devant leur verre sapin au branchage plastique comme des ton pantin en serviettes périodiques leurs visages grisaillères leurs yeux devinrent néon ils auraient fait la guerre pour sucer un bonbon Se tenir un à un en pleurant, grandir dernier soupir de beau comme avant, indifférent et délaissant le drame, les parents assoiffés les chairs des larmes de leurs enfants frustrés. Pourquoi me direz-vous Parce qu'elles étaient.
7: And that's music from the group Ange, uh, 1974.